0: We're gonna be, uh, I, think I, I think I make a reference in John 14 and there will be uh, several places in the book of Acts this morning. Um, just been looking forward to being with you and spending time in the word uh, this morning. Um, I, I don't know when the last time was that you experienced uh, what sometimes many of us will refer to The presence of the Lord When, when you sensed his presence uh, Was so rich and real Where you felt maybe uh, Inside of you a little Otherworldly For a moment you felt his love that transcends All understanding or you felt his joy Or you're, you felt his peace Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Someone please raise your hand right now I gotta go home Okay. Alright yeah. are, are, our journey of faith is an amazing one, and there are moments, not every day, not every church service. Sometimes we're just chopping wood up here, okay? But um, there are times, maybe it happened today while we were worshiping, or maybe last week. As a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower, disciple, hopefully you are, uh, the foundation of our faith is the Word of God. How many believe that's true? The foundation of our faith is... Is the Word of God it Psalms 12 verse 6 says and the the word of the Lord is flawless okay like silver refined in fire tried and tested seven times okay so thankful for the purity and power perfection of the Word of God prophesied through human beings uh, written over a period of at least a couple thousand years bunch of authors 60 some books Jesus said in Matthew 2435, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. (laughs) There's a lot of changes going on in the world, but Jesus said, my word, (laughs) heaven and earth may pass away, my word will never pass away. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. I am also thankful for times of refreshing in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that in our life. We need both. We need a solid foundation in the Word, and we need times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. Jesus Christ is made real in your soul through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. When you're walking in fellowship with Him, you know that verse that Paul said you'll know, pray without ceasing when you're when you're walking with Jesus in fellowship with him and just that nudge to pray throughout your day that's the Holy Spirit he's makes Jesus real and I'm so thankful that he guides us it says in John 16 he guides us into all truth and and because of that when you get up in the morning and spend time in his word there there's not only uh, the the literal historical uh, context culture language but then there is the revelation that comes through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, some of you have never dedicated your life to getting to know this book. You just, it's just overwhelming to you. And I understand that. It's a waste of time, by the way, that you haven't spent time getting to know this book. It's a, that's a terrible way to say that. How do I want to say it? Um, it's, it's unfortunate that, that, that you wouldn't make it part of your life to get to know this book because in these words are life and light and revelation and, and refreshing uh, for your soul. Aren't you thankful the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin? And sometimes they aren't great sins. You could have a judgmental attitude. And thankfully, after you walk away from that moment, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. You know, anything that doesn't line up with who the purity and person of Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is, uh, if you're sensitive, he'll, he'll give you a nudge. He'll give you a correction or a direction. I, I'm around Christians sometimes, and the way they talk about what's going on in the world or the, the way they talk about where they work, the culture they work in, is so unlike Jesus. And I think to myself, do they know the Holy Spirit at all? Are, are, are? Now, I, I know they're a believer, but, but they don't act like Jesus, they don't talk like Jesus. And it concerns me because if we're walking in the spirit, he will convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Could someone say amen to that? Some of us might say Oh man to that, but anyway. Okay, he reminds us to pray, he nudges us. Uh, there are times I've expressed my failures to you more than once, but there are times when I experience a nudge in the midst of a moment of wanting to be angry or impatient, sometimes it's with uh, my, my wife, who is amazing, and, uh, and yet I will feel you know, irritated or aggravated or angry. And I'll want to say something so unkind. Aren't you thankful for the governor of the Holy Spirit? She says, you know what I'm saying? And I, it won't come out, I'll stop. Because the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these areas of Christ-like character that you weren't born with in your human nature, but you're being transformed into through the power of the Holy Spirit. All these things are the Holy Spirit's working in our life everything we need everything we need for godliness has been given to us through the person of the Holy Spirit isn't that amazing it says in second Peter chapter 1 everything uh, for godliness uh, the divine nature Peter uses the divine nature has been made available through the power and person of the Holy Spirit in our life. So then he goes on to say, therefore, make every effort. Make every effort. So there's this balance between his presence and his power, and yet your effort. And, and they've, got to, they got, they've got to work together in, in our life. Um, the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking here about uh, the appearances of Jesus after the crucifixion, and after the resurrection, there are a few that are recorded uh, in, in the New Testament. We've looked at a couple, and uh, this morning we're going to actually look at one that uh, was very important to Jesus, so important that he gave them a command. Okay, before he ascended into heaven for the final time, from the Mount of Olives, he ascended into heaven. It's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 10 11, which we won't read, but I invite you to read it sometime on your own. Uh, before he left uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, he said, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think that's interesting because remember when he rose from the dead that first night of the resurrection, he appeared to the disciples in the upper room, remember? Probably the same room where the disciples, where he had served communion to them for the first time and introduced the new covenant. That same upper room, they were hiding and maybe they were praying, I don't know, but they were certainly frightened. And uh, uh, Jesus appeared to them, his first words, peace be with you, hallelujah. Uh, As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So he gives them their mission. And then he breathed on them, it says. These are about verse 19 through 21 of John 20. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So, so we talked about that a few weeks ago as really symbolic of them being born again. In the same way God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living being. In the same way Jesus breathed on his disciples. And I assume that was a picture of them being born again. How many think to know Jesus you have to be born again okay we've heard that Baptist Methodist whatever background uh, Christian uh, whatever denomination you're a part of we must be born again it's interesting 50 days later or 40 days later before he ascends into heaven those who have received Jesus the Holy Spirit in them he says now you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I think that's interesting. I think it's something that you uh, should, should work with me maybe this morning to, to, to process a little bit. He, he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in them. But if you look at verse 8, he says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That phrase upon you is different than in you. So there's something else that's going to happen in their lives where the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, uh, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Just, Just interesting. I'm not trying to create a doctrine as much as... Um, I'm trying to create a hunger. I, I want you to be hungry for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's working. I don't think the Holy Spirit's caught up with theology, because if he was, none of us would go to heaven. You're not getting to heaven because of your theology. You're getting to heaven because of the miracle of salvation, and the Holy Spirit has caused you to be born again. But I do see something in the scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit working up upon us and through us. And I, I just think it's, it's something that is uh, worth looking at. And, uh, you know, I think it raises a lot of questions. And I, I promise you I won't answer all those questions this morning. But I, I just think it's, it's interesting. I'm going to have you turn to Acts chapter 19 before we go to Acts chapter 2. Because I want you to see uh, how significant uh, the Holy Spirit was to the early church. How uh, important they felt uh, that people who were disciples, who had faith, how important it was to them that we would uh, receive the Holy Spirit. and uh, So I'm going to read Acts 19, verse 1 through 7. It says, uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, uh, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Uh, There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, uh, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Uh, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Uh, He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. This is really interesting to me. First of all, that... The ministry of John the Baptist, the reputation of John the Baptist and all the things he he was teaching about people returning to God. I think it's interesting that that had traveled a thousand miles to a town called Ephesus. They didn't have internet, they didn't have Fox or CNN or any news. But word of mouth, it had traveled. Apparently someone had declared the message here in Ephesus and there were Uh, some believers in God, certainly people who turned back to God. That was John's message. People turned back to God and had become disciples. These are men who are disciplined, devoted, committed, and uh, trying to to grow in uh, the ways of God and the things of God. I also think it's interesting that one of the first questions Paul had was, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Uh, Why do you think he asked that? was there something that maybe he thought was missing in their fellowship in their gathering that made him uh, ask that question did you receive the Holy Spirit uh, when you believed no one knows Uh, one of the things about the Bible is it leaves out the non-essentials and communicates the essentials and so all we get from this section is uh, the only essential thing that Paul cared about is did you receive the Holy Spirit uh, when you believe. Apparently that's important enough that it's recorded in Scripture. Uh, they hadn't, and uh, he explained Jesus to them after they were baptized. I, I assume that's what we do on Sunday morning. Here, people believe in Jesus. We, we baptize in water. After, after they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, what happened? It says he lays hands on them, and then the Holy Spirit came on them, on them, not in them, you notice that? On them, the Holy Spirit came on them. just think it's worth noting, came on them, and, the, and they spoke in tongues and, and prophesied. I don't know what dialect or language they spoke in, but they spoke in tongues just like I did and I don't know if that freaks you out I tried to demonstrate tongues a few years ago in a service and a college student uh, emailed me and said you spoke in tongues but no one interpreted I said well that wasn't the purpose I was trying to illustrate tongues that didn't freak you out did it you might have thought I was weird but but hopefully it didn't freak you out I mean I simply spoke in a language I don't know. What language was it? I don't know. All I know is uh, there was a time in my life, 45 years ago or so, when, uh, you know, an old guy like me was standing up there talking about the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this language went through my mind. And I said, I think that's what he's talking about. I think that is a gift of tongues. And I just said it. Now, I don't know if you've ever been worshiping God and you sensed his presence, And you just felt like there was a barrier between you and God. It's like, God, I don't know. I want to worship you more. I want to give you more of myself, but I don't know how to do it. Well, when I have that experience, here's what I do. I release my spirit to pray in a language that is, the Bible says the Holy Spirit takes it and makes it a language to God. I don't know what I'm saying, but I know when I say it, my spirit is free to worship. My spirit is free to pray, and I am set free. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And uh, I know there have been arguments about this and uh, doctrines taught in cultures and churches. The good thing about my life, when I, get, when I got saved, I didn't know beans from buckshot. I mean, I was so far from Jesus, you couldn't even find me on a map. And I didn't hear all those false doctrines. All I know is I gave my life to Jesus, and about nine months later, I was preaching, and there it was. And I started speaking in tongues, and then I learned all the things that people have said against it. And I thought, well, this doesn't make sense. It's happening in my life every day. I pray all the time. Just like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14. I would that you all spoke in tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Back then, I was hanging sheetrock for eight hours a day. Once you learn to hang sheetrock, you don't have to think about it very much. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Some of you are good. You're crazy. But anyway, um, you know, I'd pray in tongues for four or five hours a day. I, 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 what else do you do? You know, the other guy's playing some stupid music on his radio in that house when they're doing construction. So I'm just, I'm going to pray in tongues. And I'd, I'd pray a lot. Now, uh, the Bible says that the gift of tongues edifies the one who prays. How many would love to be edified? So I was doing my spiritual push-ups, praying in a spiritual language um, while I was hanging sheetrock. I was pretty buff back then too, by the way. Just so you know. I'm sure you were worried about that. Okay, I'm way off track. Let's go to... <laughs> I'm so far off track, you can't see. You can't see back. Anyway, Acts 8. Let's go to Acts 8. This event takes place in Samaria, uh, probably a few years after uh, the day of Pentecost, 5 to 7, some uh, Bible scholars say. They suggest there might have been as many as 50,000 believers in Jerusalem at this time. I I don't even know if Jerusalem was that big, so... You can't trust everything you read on the internet or in a commentary, but um, anyway, there were a lot of believers, and persecution broke out against the church, and they were scattered throughout the world. It's interesting how Christians have a tendency to cluster uh, together, even though Jesus said go make disciples, we all have a tendency to want the safety of one another and the encouragement, and I understand all that, but uh, so persecution broke out. God forced them out of their comfort zone outside of Jerusalem. It says here in verse 4 of Acts 8, those who had been scattered preached the word uh, wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Uh, When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid attention, close attention, to what he said. With shrieks and evil spirits, uh, excuse me, with streaks, evil spirits came out of many and many paralytics and cripples were healed So there was great joy in this city, I bet there was. Wouldn't that be great in our city? I don't know about you, I read sections like that, it just says, Lord, in our city, Jesus, in our city. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they they sent Peter and John to them. Uh, When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I think this is interesting. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isn't that what we do in most churches in America? Isn't that what they did in the church you grew up in? And yet, It's not that Luke, when he writes this, is downplaying the significance of believing in Jesus and being baptized in his name. How do I say this? But that wasn't enough for the early church. They wanted more for the church. They'd experienced something supernatural. This day of Pentecost, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit where a guy named Peter, who denied the Lord three times, just a few weeks earlier, stood up and boldly proclaimed Jesus on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 turned to the Lord. Now, the sermon was not that good. Okay, read Acts 2. It's great. It talks about the resurrection and the fact that the Jewish people had blood on their hands. They'd killed the Messiah, God's Holy One. God raised Him from the dead. What What saved 3,000 people was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that convicted people's hearts and drew them to Jesus. How many think we need that in the day we live? We, we We need people to recognize they're away from God, that they've denied Jesus Christ. It's not that they're any more evil than you are and I think that's very arrogant and foolish of the church to ever look at anyone and consider yourself above anyone because that's not true the truth is God chose to give Jesus God so loved the world and God chose then to pour out the Holy Spirit so that we could Know the God who created everything. By the way, it's just the beginning when you get saved. Eye is not seen, ears not heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man. God has plans for all eternity. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That's where we're headed. But it starts with the work of the Spirit in your life at salvation and then filling and then coming upon and experiences where God literally literally speaks through you he prophesies he encourages people with the word of God through my God I will run through a troop and jump over a wall and you give someone that word that God is for them not against them their faith is built up and it's not just what you say but the Holy Spirit energizes it in their soul and life happens and demonic strongholds that have been trying to oppress them and hold them down boom! all of a sudden there's a freedom in their life and a freedom in their soul. Now that happens, sorry, I'm getting loud. That happens because of anointing. It doesn't happen because you're so smart. It happens because of anointing. When a guy walked up to me and looked at me and said, Jesus loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins, and I felt convicted, and I felt separated from God, and I realized for the first time, Jesus was a man, who died for my sins, and I felt morally responsible to Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit in a moment. It was anointing. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He stepped out from the side of a sidewalk. He looked me in the eye. Jesus loves you, and he died for your sins. That was anointing. That's what is being talked about in the Scripture here. Now, that man probably didn't even know he had it. But God's faithful. It's his desire for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so, in spite of us, God works through us all the time. Because some would say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why I pray constantly, every day, with the gift of tongues. Because the Bible says the Spirit... Intercedes through me. How, how much more powerful would the church be if every believer was full of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit to pray through them for the things of God, the kingdom of God, the power of God? How much more powerful? No wonder there is a doctrine. I shouldn't say this, someone's going to get mad. But no wonder there. No wonder there's doctrines of demons that have tried to deny the filling the baptism the gifts healing miracles prophecy tongues I know I just shot someone's childhood theology in the foot I I really do believe it's the strategy of the enemy to divide the church over an issue like tongues? You just heard it. Did it sound weird? Did I did I fall on the floor and foam at the mouth? Did I swing from the chandeliers? Or did I just say a language I never learned, but the Holy Spirit put it in my mind, so I said it. And it became a language God uses every day of my life to pray through my life. And it's just waiting for you to receive. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Oh, it's good to have someone in your corner. Oh, amen. Um, John, chapter 4. Jesus understood the significance of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I never did explain Acts 8, did I? Kind of. Well, anyway, we've got to go on. Nevertheless, they laid hands on him, prayed for him, they received the Holy Spirit. It became visible there were things that were happening that weren't happening before because they got filled with the Holy Spirit. You can read the rest of the chapter. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water, he's talking to the woman at the well, talking about the physical water from the well, uh, sacred well, Jacob's well, something in the history of Israel, and he's talking to this woman about himself. He said, "Uh, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks uh, the water, I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Hallelujah. Now, frankly, there are days that I'm desperately thirsty. I am am wrung out. I am tired. My spirit is as dry as a bone. Hallelujah. But there is living water inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And if I lift up my my heart in praise and worship, if I spend time in the word, if I rejoice in the Lord like the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice. Just like the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. And All of a sudden, how many have ever experienced it? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's what the Bible says. Isaiah 40 verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their stink. stink. Well, that might be true. Their strength. Sorry. Uh, they will rise up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Who needs that? I do. <laughs> Amen? I do. Jesus did not come just to die on the cross. That was amazing. But he didn't come just to die on the cross. He, he didn't come just to raise from the dead. He came to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That was his goal, that you could be born again, that God could start a whole new creation. Because God's plan is a whole new creation, a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. Okay, we're not just trying to be good people here on earth so we can go to heaven someday. Float around on clouds, play a harp. That's demonic, that's not true. That's not from God. That's worldly wisdom. This is what John the Baptist said in Luke uh, chapter 3, verse 16. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Passion, purpose, fire, purifying setting you apart if you've been baptized with the holy spirit you're set apart your your heart is God's doesn't mean you're perfect doesn't mean you don't struggle but it you can't go back you've been filled with the holy spirit and there's something eternal that you've tasted and and and, and you can't go back we need the holy spirit okay Whew. acts chapter 2 let's Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, uh, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one uh, heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed. They asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of them, each of us hears them in our own native language? If you speak Spanish and you go to Guatemala. Okay, your Spanish doesn't sound like the Spanish they speak in Guatemala, you understand what I'm saying. Go to Mexico, it doesn't sound quite the same. Same language, but different nuances. That's what they're saying here. How are they speaking in our native language? It, they sound like they're speaking. What I grew up with in my village, it's organic, it's a part of a culture that no human being can match. I don't know about you, if I try to speak in Spanish, it's not gonna sound like Spanish. I might get the words out, but I can't get the nuance to the language that's part of the culture. These people heard their language from their culture coming out of those men's mouth. Utterly amazed, they ask, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in their own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, which is always the case with the Holy Spirit. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Had communion early that morning and just got carried away. Uh, okay, this is a powerful day. I mean, no question. I've tried to illustrate that the best I could. A p- powerful day in human history. Distinctly, God is connecting Old Testament and New Testament, this idea of mighty rushing wind. How, how many have ever been in a wind where you couldn't stand? I mean, literally. A wind so strong you you couldn't stand I was driving a couple months ago you remember that Cheryl's uh, stepdad passed away and I was headed up there she was already there and uh, on these uh, kind of this open plain uh, top of a bluff the wind was so hard I couldn't open the door of my car I mean <laughs> literally I had to force I had to put one leg out and literally force the car door open and I had to bend down like this to, to walk up the sidewalk to the rest area. I mean, it was a wind like I've never been in before. Wind is powerful. And it's symbolic of God's almighty power and, and strength. And it was illustrated in the Old Testament, okay, when, when uh, God parted the Red Sea. What did it do? It said the wind blew all night. Okay, the wind. Remember, Moses is hidden in the cleft of the rock and the wind of God, his presence came and just blew the mountain apart. So wind is a picture of the holiness of God. Here we see this transcendent God above all things connecting Old and New Testament with his presence and power as he, he comes, the Holy Spirit, like a mighty rushing wind. And of course, tongues of fire, symbolic in the Old Testament, our God's a consuming fire, fire on the mountain. He's holy, set apart. So th- there's this m- amazing connection between Old Testament and New Testament right here in, in the book of Acts to, to show that God who began will complete. Old Testament, New Testament, they're connected together. It's amazing. And, uh, and then, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but they spoke in tongues. I don't know why we feel embarrassed to say that, but it just I feel like it's received so much criticism that you almost have to be ashamed to say it. They spoke in tongues supernaturally they spoke in languages they'd never learned the gift of tongues I, I don't know all that was happening in that day although they were enabled to preach the gospel to people that would never would have heard it uh, in a language they hadn't learned but supernaturally god transcending their mind enabled them to speak in tongues uh, that they'd never learned so that others outside of their own culture could hear uh, for me uh, praying in tongues has just uh, produced a deeper communion and intimacy with God because when I pray in tongues the holy spirit prays through me and am i speaking a language that someone would recognize in the world i don't know uh, the apostle paul in 1st corinthians 13 he says if i speak with the tongues of men and angels and don't have love you know what am i nothing sounding gong clanging cymbal so he talks about tongues in light of men and angels so yeah, i don't know what language i'm speaking I'll never forget a story. Uh, Some of you might have heard of Jamie Buckingham. He was a speaker at a conference I went to years ago, pastor in Florida, a large church, lots of books. And a woman in his church called and uh, mentioned that her dad was uh, very ill in the hospital and hoped that he could go and pray for her. Now, I don't remember the ethnicity. This was a few years ago. Uh, she spoke very good English because she was born in the United States, grew up in Florida, and so, you know, she spoke like people from Florida. Uh, but her dad from the old country, okay? So so he, he was born in a small village in another culture, uh, not saved, uh, probably spoke broken English. In fact, I know he does because I'll t- tell you the rest of the story. He does s- spoke some broken English, but still the old language. And uh, so he's in a coma in the hospital, Jamie Buckingham, just... He just laid hands on him and prayed for him that he would be healed, you know, and left. Three or four weeks later, the man visited him in church and uh, apparently had been healed. We don't know whether it was miraculous at that moment or, you know, a few days later, weeks later. But uh, here's what the man said to Jamie Buckingham that morning. He said, when you prayed for me, you prayed in my language. He said, when I heard it, I knew God was touching me. People in a coma can hear. And he could hear the language that Jamie Buckingham was um, speaking. By the way, Jamie Buckingham is telling this story in front of 5,000 pastors. And it's recorded in one of his books. So I have a feeling it's true. and uh, so he said I, I heard my la- you spoke my language <laughs> I knew it was God that was touching me and he said now I'm a Christian <laughs> hallelujah so I you know I don't know I, don't, I can't convince you of anything why tongues you know God is dedicated that you can't figure him out okay he's awesome he is holy and he's beyond your understanding I put tongues in the category of the foolishness of God. And I'm going to read uh, a verse here. I looked up this morning, 1 Corinthians. I think it's uh, verse 21. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. If you're trying to figure out God through human wisdom, you will never know him. Your questions will never be answered. If you're trying to figure out God through human wisdom. Since God in his wisdom. Saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching. To save those who believe. It is foolishness to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. Uh, Some of you have asked God for a sign so that you could believe. That's foolish. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. Science. Science philosophy all that stuff verse 23 so when we preach that Christ was crucified the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense I've heard that one recently but that's nonsense nonsense I'm so smart so educated verse 24 but those who are called by God to salvation both Jews and Gentiles Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatness of human strength. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, anyway. Unfortunately, church doctrine has gotten in the way, and um, sadly, uh, there are churches that have unfortunately said things like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot find that in the Bible. There are numerous situations in the book of Acts where they were filled. Acts 8 would be one of them. Holy Spirit came on them, never mentions tongues, never mentions prophecy, so that's, that's foolish. Uh, it's not true. All it does is create division, hurt feelings, people who, God has done amazing things in their life. They're as full as they can be, Uh, but have never spoken tongues, so that's stupid. Um, There are people who have gone as far as to say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Really? If you add anything to the cross, then it's not by grace that we're saved. If you add water baptism to the cross, it's not by grace you're saved. Either we're saved by grace or not saved. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, not even your faith, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast, says in uh, Ephesians 2, verse 9. So, those kind of arguments have created a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of divisions, and a lot of doctrines in churches that have developed defensive stances against the fact that they don't speak in tongues. Okay, if they don't speak in tongues, I'm sorry, but it's available. The Apostle Paul said, I would that you all spoke in tongues. And my goal this morning, by the way, is not to get you to speak in tongues. My goal this morning is to inspire you to be hungry for more of God. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay, now i got to finish up. It's 10.30. Good grief. Your breakfast reservation is late. Okay, here we go. Let me finish up. How can I receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life? Number one, believe the promises for you. Uh, Acts 2 verse 39, the promise is for you and your children, hallelujah, for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord your God will call. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a gift. We don't deserve it, but it's a promise that God made for you, for your children, for all who are far off. Was anyone far off when you came to Christ? I'll raise both hands. All whom the Lord your God will call. Believe the promise is for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for me. Will you say that? It, it's for me. It's for me. It's for me. What he's talking about today is for me. Okay? It's for you. Uh, number two, come to Jesus. He's the baptizer. Mark 1, 7. John said, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer. Come to Jesus. We preach Jesus in this church because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. Okay? That's why we focus on Jesus, why we preach Jesus. Uh, number three, wait on him. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus passionately wanted his disciples to receive power. And can I say this morning, Jesus passionately wants you to receive power. I don't know what that power will look like for you. I do believe that tongues is available. Paul said, I would that you all spoke in tongues. But more importantly, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, that you prophesy. that interesting? So that you can say what God is saying in that moment. This is what I think God's saying to you. You could prophesy because the church needs to be edified and built up uh, th- through prophecy. It's just th- he said in 1 Corinthians 14, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. What I'm talking about this morning is not strange or weird. It's biblical. The Apostle Paul, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Wait on him pursue Him, ask Him, seek, earnestly desire. The last thing I expect to receive, Luke uh, eleven thirteen. 13. If you then, though you are evil, <laughs> thanks a lot, Jesus. These are Jesus' words, by the way. If you then, who are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I know we're a little fearful about this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out. We don't have enough people next service to worry about moving your car. Take your time, okay? Sorry. You don't have to worry about moving your car. They can walk a little farther. It's no big deal. I I know when I talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, people, you know, you feel pressure. Please don't feel pressured. But I do want to pray for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Some of you are afraid. Like if... If, if I actually surrender my life to the wind like a mighty rushing wind if you surrender your life to God's authority and God's holiness fire tongues of fire if you fully surrender your life to God's authority and holiness you're afraid he'll wreck your life okay. like you're so cool the way you are okay okay you're afraid he'll wreck your life you're afraid you'll be in Walmart Driving this cart with a wobbly wheel, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll start sounding like the pastor on Sunday morning. You know, someone walks by, you know shoulder, you start speaking in tongues, and I, we're afraid, aren't we? We're afraid. We're afraid. I remember one time, Jack Hayford, a pastor who had a significant ministry around the world, was part of the Church Foursquare family. He said. I felt like one time God asked me if I gave you the gift of healing would, would you want it? And honestly from his heart he said no. He said no. And the reason he said that he said I don't want to be weird. I want to be cool and accepted by all the other Christians but I don't want to be weird. And can I tell you if you, if you have certain gifts of the Holy Spirit you know uh, well, let's just say that we have a tendency to categorize things. And uh, I know you. You want to be cool. You want to be cool like the world around you. You want to drive the same cars. You want to have the same house. You want to dress like they do. You want to be as pretty or as handsome as they are. You want to be cool. You want to be cool. I can't believe I'm saying this. Who would say this? You want to be cool more than you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit in you and on you and flowing through you, crying in the Spirit, praying for the world around us, praying for our nation, praying for family members. Caught up in the holiness of God, undone in his presence like Isaiah was. Undone, Lord, I'm undone. When he saw God, he said, I was undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm afraid of the holiness of God. And Lord, I understand that so much. I, Lord, I care that my sermons are intelligent sometimes packaged correctly. Lord, that it would be pleasing to people who visit church. Rather than longing for them to have an encounter with a holy God, So Father, this morning I ask forgiveness for my sin and our sins, Lord. Lord, ruin our cool. I'm going to give you a chance to pray here as we sing this song. It's a prayer, spirit break out. So Lord, you know I've prayed already this morning. I was up at 4.30 and I was praying for you and I cannot baptize in the Holy Spirit, only Jesus can. can't say the right words, can't do anything. But I'm asking Jesus to baptize you. I'm asking for breakthroughs in some of your life. You've wanted to pray in tongues, and I don't know how to make it happen. Some of you, I I just really believe there's gonna be a moment, a step of faith where you just have to start saying it. I've heard people say, I was driving down the street and I was worshiping to Caleb, and all of a sudden I just, I could, I had to say it. It was just like, I had to, go beyond my English language, and I started praying in tongues. Hallelujah, whatever, however he does it. So, Lord, would you come in your kindness and in your glory. Come fill us with the Holy Spirit today.